Okay. Number one in your hearts. Always. That's right. Number one podcast in your heart. Get us to the top of the chart. <laughs> That's right. That's right. The chart of your heart. Oh, that's pretty good. Hey, that that will preach. No, it won't. Yeah, it will. What's no. what's number one on the chart of your heart? Oh my gosh! So right, you Swifty. see what I did there, Swifty? <laughs> Neo Jazz, probably. <laughs> like what is it? That is- Bella Hay. Yeah. That was such a chaotic episode. <laughs> but it played well. The uh, the the video. Did it did the, the clip teaser was great. It was great. It really was. Well. Welcome to episode 22 of uh, Sharing Jesus Podcast. Uh, we're kind of mixed up at the table today. We've got a, a guest with us, um, Brother Jason Haybear from down Louisiana. So we're going to be asking him some questions um, about him and, and how he serves as a missionary and um, what that looks like and what are some of the best and worst parts of, of being a missionary. But uh, right now... Uh, Brother Jason, if you want to uh, introduce yourself so everybody knows you. Yeah, I'm not Brother Michael Reese. He's much taller and thinner than I am, but uh, um, he is my brother-in-law, my wife and his wife, Karen, are sisters, um, but he's just a brother to me. Uh, But uh, I I, uh, am the missionary church planner to Lafayette, Louisiana, sent out by Calvary Baptist Church in Minden, Louisiana. Um, We were sent out in November of 2015. And uh, we've had a couple moves along the way, and uh, looking like we're getting really close to finding a nice landing spot to organize in the near next couple of years, probably. So God's been good to us. Nice, nice. Now, you are Parker's dad, right? According to the tests that Maury Povich showed me, <laughs> I am definitely the father of Parker A. Bear. Yes, so. Maury, boy, that's a '90s, 2000 show. It's good times right there. Boy, yeah, it's good stuff. It yeah. is. I remember as a kid saying, "Staying sick, sick." When I was a kid from uh, school, it was Jerry Springer and Maury back right. to back. <laughs> what was it before? What was it? Ten o'clock. Probably uh, Phil Donahue, you probably. No, it was uh, Bob Barker. Uh, oh yeah, the price, price is, right. is right. Price is right. That's it. Yep, price that's is right. it. That's it. That's well, it. <laughs> all right. Well, I've just got a few questions for you. Um, and with you being a guest, this is going to be kind of more questions directed at the guest than it is anybody else. And we can kind of get in here and there on comments and stuff like that. But tell us where you serve as a missionary. I'm in the beautiful city of Lafayette, Louisiana. Uh, kind of the the gateway to a region of Louisiana known as Acadiana. Um, whenever the uh, Cajun people were kicked out of Nova Scotia in the 1700s, they uh, were put on exile ships. Moms and uh, children were separated, husbands and wives, and put on slave ships because, as Justin Wilson, uh, the famous chef, once said, they chose to swear at the king instead of to the king. And uh, the king didn't take too kindly to that, so he kicked them out of Nova I'm sorry. Parker's thing, touching the microphones, um, kicked him out of Nova Scotia, and uh, they came around the east coast of America, uh, around the Horn of Florida, and most of them kind of settled in uh, the area known uh, in South Louisiana as Cajun country, or Acadiana, because they were from Acadi, Nova Scotia, that area. So gotcha. that's where we're at. Lafayette's a great city, man. Lafayette runs about 120,000 people in the city, the metropolitan area. Uh, easily pushing 300,000 people. Wow. uh, It's it's an awesome place to live. I love it. Wow. It's hot. We we got the opportunity to go down there and serve this past summer. 
Whew, I was telling coach, because he is a coach too, I was telling him, I was like, I don't know how you do this every day. I don't know how you do deal with this heat. And he's like, ah, this ain't heat. This ain't hot. We just keep on keeping on. That's all you can do. And boy, he's out here tackling dummies, showing these kids at <laughs> LOL how to, how to get down on the football field and uh, really just spreading some love to them. But it's great to hear that uh, a missionary knows the history of the area that he's in. Um, I think, I think as a missionary, um, you probably serve those people a little better, knowing the history of that area and and how they established them. But like I said, you are coach. Um, everyone at this table knows that you're a coach. Um, but for our listeners, uh, what is your what's your sport? Well, I coach. Uh I coached football, basketball. At one time, I did football, basketball, track, and soccer. Wow. Um, I, I just, uh, you know, man. when we went on the mission field, we knew we needed to find a, a third space. Uh, you know, you have your, your home is your first space, your church family is that second space, and we need to find a third and, and even fourth and fifth spaces. We want to become a part of the community, and uh, God just opened the door uh, for us to start loving on a school really close to our house where the boys uh, well, where our youngest son Peyton went, Parker was at Lafayette High, uh, just up the road a ways. But we kind of got got in with middle school and uh, it's kind of become that place. And uh, it was the summer of 2017. Uh, Peyton's going into Peyton's eighth grade year. The coach called me and said, hey, we know you played a little ball in school. Um, would you like to come on and join our staff? And so I started coaching football then. And, and uh, then he said, hey, I like working with you. You want to do basketball with me? I said, well, I'm. I'm more shaped like a basketball than I actually know anything about basketball. And he said, just come on, you'll learn. And so I've enjoyed that. Then with track, um, I was throwing with the throwers. I wasn't with the sprinters at all. Um, and then soccer, we actually know soccer. Our kids both played soccer, and uh, we, we had a good well, time with soccer. Peyton played. You, you tried. Huh? I rode the bench. Well, there was that one time you kicked that kid right in the rear. Yeah. With the, no, you got kicked. I got ball. kicked with the ball. That's right. That was an interesting <laughs> game. Um, but you did play because the family was there. I remember. Um, thankfully, that they didn't make a wasted trip. Um, but uh, yeah, so, so that's what I get to do. I get to do that. I enjoy doing it. It's it's a blast. Uh, we're in the middle of our. We just started our season last week. We won thirty to twenty five over Broussard. Uh, we've won. I think I counted up since I've been there in 2017. I've won with our other coaches, our teams. We've won eight or nine Paris championships. Um, wow! In, in that in that amount of time, we've won three football, one basketball, one track, four so- four soccer. And and my name's actually on the boys' side and the girls' side, which is kind of neat because I won with the girls' soccer team last year. That's awesome. So, nice. That's pretty neat. So, That's awesome. Well, yeah. Arkansas University. Uh, there's your head coach right there. Coach and lineman. <laughs> um, well, that's cool. And Parker, a question for you. Um, totally springing this on him. Didn't let him know this question beforehand. I don't let y'all know questions. That's true. That is true. Um, what's it like being the son of a missionary? Uh, at the, whenever we moved to Lafayette, it was very interesting because I was a sophomore. I had just become the worship leader for our FCA in Bossier. Uh, and, you know, I was like, super excited to be on uh, in the club of FCA and doing their worship uh, for our high school. It was super fun. And then uh, I think he asked me just randomly driving, uh, hey, what would you feel about moving? And I'm like, just to like move or like 
ministry. And it was like, well, I don't know, just hypothetical. And I was like, well, if it's where the Lord's calling you to go somewhere, you know, we'll go. We'll follow you because that's what, you know, we're supposed to. And he's like, oh, well, OK. And then two months later, he's like, hey, we're moving to Lafayette. And I'm like, oh, OK, cool. <laughs> uh, but it's through the deputation. I know a lot of missionaries, kids, you know, they uh, they understand what deputation is like. We hit who knows how many churches in six months. Uh, but it was wild. Uh, it was like four Sunday. It was four churches on a weekend one at one time, and that was that was a brutal weekend. But once we moved, I mean, you pretty much take on the role of just being a normal kid, meeting new friends, and uh, inviting them to your church. Because I mean, you're making new friends. They don't know anything about you. They don't know anything about your past. Right. Nobody knew that I was. Uh, you know, worship leader for our FCA. Nobody knew that. Uh, there wasn't even an FCA at our school, and we tried to start it, but it just didn't work out in the high school, but it did in the middle school. Yeah. Uh, and so it's just, as a missionary's kid, you just kind of be yourself. Uh, I mean, I was a worship leader at ABC, at a kid in the Baptist church mm-hmm. uh, through high school, and then I went off to college and came back my senior year. So being a missionary's kid is kind of just... I don't want to say like a preacher's kid, but you don't have the added stress of people knowing who you are. You know, like X, Y, Z, Mrs. Bertrude the third or whatever. You know, they don't know your dad, so you don't have to be like on your best behavior all the time. (laughs) You can just be a kid. You know, when you're at when you're in church, you can just be at church. So that's the interesting part of it. Right. And I mean, being a being a preacher's kid, like I get what you're saying. The you gotta act one, you gotta act this way, talk this way, wear wear this. Um, you get there's certain expectations for preachers' kids, and I'm sure that that relates as well to missionary kids. Um, and uh, but we talked about your coaching and and very impressive resume. Um, uh, I wasn't kidding about the University of Arkansas needing a head coach. <laughs> um, so yeah, that would be awesome. But as far as coaching goes, how does that translate in the mission field? Um, that's actually a really great question because uh, you you learn to relate to kids in so many different and, and listen in middle school, kids are going through so many hormonal changes and you meet kids in so many different spots in their life, uh, going through this, going through that. I mean, a breakup is like detrimental, you know, it's like the worst things ever happened in the world to them and da da da. But, but I get to meet these young men and, and really what for me, it's, it's building relationships with them. And from that building relationships with parents as well, it's, it's, it's an unintended consequence but as these kids go off to school, go off to high school, and now I've got kids playing at the next level, and and uh, I got one kid that just a, a, a five star recruit. Everybody wanted him. He's going to A and M, um, and getting to see these kids, and then seeing their parents around town is really interesting to kind of keep up and know what's going on. But as far as how it translates in, in the mission field, especially in new church plant, here's the thing that happens in a church plant that maybe some people don't talk about. You a lot of times, and I mean no disrespect to anybody that watches this that's a part of a church plant because it's not this way all the time, but a lot of the first people you might get were people that have been rejected by other churches. They just didn't fit the church mold. Um, They had little quirks or whatever it might be. 
And here we are like, come on in, get a cup of coffee, have a seat. We're just glad to have somebody in the building. Mm-hmm. And right. they become right. part of the family. Parker knows some exactly. of the people I'm talking about exactly. And mm-hmm. um, so, you know, you're meeting people in all different aspects of their life. And something I learned in through, through you know, 17, 18 years of pastoral ministry is you have to love people where they're at, not where you think they should be. Well, mm-hmm. when you meet somebody right off the bat, you don't know where they're supposed to be. Right. You just have to love them where they're at. And uh, so I, I take the same approach with my kids. Um, and I know that I'm that my influence in a child's life, I really take it to heart. Uh, I was talking to my seminary guys last night. I teach an online uh, homiletics class for the seminary at Minden. And I was telling them last night in class um, that, that – um, the Bible talks about if you offend a child, it's better for a millstone to be hung about your neck. And and I take that so seriously. I, even with the, the kids that are not even part of our church, um, I, I just want to pour into them and help them become better men and, and better productive citizens of society. Because you look at athletes, especially um, as they get older, as doors open to them, opportunities come and they want to be in daddies and juniors in high school sometimes. And, if I can make an impact and tell them how to treat a woman with respect, we don't just build athletes at our program. We build young men. That's our whole purpose and what we're doing. And that's also very similar to the mission field. You're trying to take an infant in Christ that gets to know Jesus and help mold them into a man or woman of God that they're supposed to be. And so th- there's a lot of connections, a lot of correlations between athletics and coaching in the mission field. It, it, it's and And it's just one of those things that, I just it happens instinctively almost now. It's just one of those things. So that's what I would say. Well, and I, I think to kind of piggyback off of that, there's this there's this idea that missionary and, and missionary work um, is so different than regular church work. Um, that the mission field for missionaries is in a different country, doing a different thing, or in a different state, doing a different thing than what the church is doing. Uh, but as I hear you describe coaching and and doing missionary work in Louisiana, it it sounds a lot like what the church should be doing: building relationships, meeting people where they're at, um, leading and discipling them through their lives to to a better life, um, and leading them to Christ. Um, and so, I think uh, I think it's really cool to see the correlations between the mission field outside of the church. And what we as regular Christians should already be doing, mm-hmm. um, and and so, um, you know, so you've you're married to Miss Cindy, mm-hmm. and you've got another son. I do, Peyton. Peyton, Peyton. and now he serves in. <laughs> he didn't do anything. Dad. He serves in the church, right? In y'all's church, he does just like Parker did. He awesome. Did. Yeah, he's very active. Uh, I kind of joke around with him that he's the button pusher uh, <laughs> at, at church. He runs a sound booth. Um, he's the button pusher in our group pusher. chat, is what he is. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, he, he like he's quick on that finger. He's quick. Um, but actually, I was telling Parker at lunch that I'm this close to totally giving him uh, free reign with the song service and let him take over. Matter of fact, yesterday morning, I kind of had just I couldn't get through to the last song. We were singing Greater You, Lord. And uh, so what we do, we have three songs and a dedicated time of prayer. And then we have a final song that I preach. So as we got dedicated time of prayer, I called him out of the sound booth. I said, you got to leave the last song. So he just hopped right in and did it. And uh, he's taking the lead this month in our uh, jam 
sport camps, which is our Sunday night program. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're doing jam sports camps uh, this month. And he's kind of taking the lead with a lot of the activities. So I'm really proud of both these guys. Um, I'm proud of both of these guys, all these guys. Um, but when it comes to my boys, I'm very proud of my boys who Parker says he was just like able to be just a kid. Parker and Peyton, Peyton in middle school, Parker in high school, they both took on adult responsibilities in the mission work from, from day one. Um, I remember our first setup and teardown in mm-hmm. the, uh, in the cafetorium. Ernest Gallette. In Ernest Gallette uh, Elementary. And uh, mm-hmm. Parker's running a 50-foot snake that's heavy <laughs> as all get out. And out of a yellow tote. Out of a yellow tote. That's right. And we were plugging it all up and setting up our screens. And they were, never complained. Uh, Parker and Peyton never complained through the whole process. And it was an incredible thing to see God, because Parker's right. That is the exact words he said. It, it, we'll follow where God is leading you, Dad. They both said that. I didn't have to prompt them or coach them. They both instantly said that. And uh, Cindy said said it as well. And just God brought all of us together. And I had somebody who's amazing at hospitality in my wife, an amazing talent, even at, at in junior high or middle school, or high school rather, uh, to lead worship. Uh, I had the one who's technologically proficient to run all the sound. And I'm able to do all the other, the preaching, the teaching, and all those things. And it's just amazing how God put us all together to do what we've been able to see happen and do in Lafayette. It's been really cool. That's awesome. Pretty cool to sit back and see just in awe of, wow, thank you, God. Right. Well, and it's cool that it's cool to see a family doing ministry work together. Um, Now, Obviously, you and Cindy and, and Peyton are at the same place doing ministry work together. Uh, but to see a son leave the house, leave the home, and doing ministry work somewhere else, mm-hmm. that's a testament to the way you've raised your family and led your family to Christ. Um, and so that's, I think, me being as a, a young father, that's definitely something I look up to. Um, and the way that I want to lead my family is that we're, where I can catapult my kids further to ki- continue to carry the torch. So, well, let, let me let me throw this out there because Parker originally went to college uh, to be a vocal music ed teacher. Um, he was going to mm-hmm. be a choir teacher in school, and uh, he did one. Was it one? One student. One student teaching, just watching. He said, I can't do this. I hate kids. (laughs) I said, well, what are you going to do? He said, I'm just going to change my major to music. I said, what are you going to do with that? He said, I'll I'll lead worship somewhere. I said, son, you're going to starve. Uh, Those are my exact words. His mama, his mama and him, they both had a lot more faith than I did. I said, son, you're going to starve to death. You ain't going to be able to. How are you going to feed your family? How are you going to feed yourself? I remember that conversation. um, Yeah, I I was very dad and uh, not not faith preacher, you know, uh, but you know, God has done an amazing thing. He was faithful through school. He was faithful to come back to us every weekend, lead worship. And when God moved him up here, when God moved Maddie to Conway, um, you know, we knew he, we knew he'd find a place to serve. Um, but the opportunity that's, you know, God's put before Parker here is when I was just showing him, it was 10 years ago Hmm. in August, 10 years ago in August, he was elected, Mm -hmm. As uh, as a middle schooler in 2013, as mm-hmm. the song leader, assistant song leader, that was his first official church job. Um, 
and here he is leading worship at Sharon in Benton. It's just a testament to his hard work and what God can do when you just kind of avail yourself to him. That's and, right. Uh, it's it's something that I look back and say, oh, oh, ye of little faith. But his mama is very quick to say, I had faith. <laughs> I believe. <laughs> so that's the way it is always with our wives, though. All right. So, um, well, that's good. Um, so I got another question for you. Uh, what are the best? And this may be, this question may be a little more difficult to answer. Um, but what are the best and worst parts of being a missionary? Okay. Um, the best is easy. That That's an easy question yeah. to answer. The best is seeing it all come together. Um, and I guess the worst on the flip side of that is when it falls apart. Right. Which it happens. Oh, yeah. it, it's It's one of those things where you're pouring into broken people. We all are. Every church is. But in a church like Sharon that runs, you know, a gazillion people, when one or two people get upset and something happens and they don't come anymore, there's still a lot of people in the pews. But at a mission work, even when three or four families are on vacation, Mm -hmm. you know, three or four families here on vacation doesn't do much either. Brother Michael still looks out. Y'all still look out and see people. Two or three, four families go on vacation separately or one sick and you're back to preaching to just yourself. Those are some of the worst moments. Um, I was very discouraged one time and a good preacher friend of mine, Brother Barry Carter, I was kind of mentioning that to him at one time. And he said, son, you, you get to preach to who you get to preach to, not who you want to preach to. And I said, that makes sense. Hmm. You know, it doesn't matter who's there. They're the ones that you get to preach to. And so the some of the hard parts when you pour into somebody, the, the most difficult parts of mission work, when you pour into somebody and you pour into somebody and you pour into somebody and then it just doesn't work. Something happens. They get sideways about something. You didn't, you, you didn't do anything. There's just a perception of something being done and they walk away. And, right. and that th- those those. I've had people leave church before because I pastored for 16, 17 years. Man, that's like a, a knife that gets twisted on the mission right. field. Because um, mm-hmm. if you're wanting to know the ugly, uh, if, I don't know if you're getting there, but but to me, the ugly side of mission work that people don't want to talk about, and, and I'm glad to talk about with people, is th- there's a weight that a church planner has on his shoulders already because of the work in front of him. But he also carries on his shoulders the weight of every single church that has prayed for him and sent financial contributions his way through support. And if the numbers don't go up or there's a big drop in number, there's a fear. There's a fear that weighs on on a missionary's shoulders that that's going to cut. And if they happen to have... I call it a catastrophic personality. If you know what a catastrophic personality is, one thing gets bad and just this cascade of things continue to go and your mind just continues to unravel. So what would happen for me is when the the numbers wouldn't go up or something bad happened, okay, they're going to stop supporting. Now my sponsoring church 
is going to start wondering what's wrong with the missionary. They're going to fire me. And when I get fired, I'm going to be homeless because I've got, you know, not enough saved up to buy a home. We're going to have to move in with my parents. My kids going to wind up being, you know, murderers on death row. And it's going to be a horrible situation. And, and that, that unraveling, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you don't have people that surround you and, and it can encourage you like my family and my boys, you can really unravel quick. Right. And, mm-hmm. and it, it's, it's a, it's a very, it can be a very dark time. I also went through a, a stage of adrenaline burnout because leading up to going on the mission field, nobody had been to South Louisiana. A bear's going to go, man, a bear's going to South Louisiana. We know a bear. He's built trees. He's done good work. He's, he's a preacher, da, da, da. And, and, and so I'm like the cat's meow. Everybody's all about a bear, a bear, a bear. Uh, never had to call for a preaching appointment. I could go anywhere I wanted to. Um, I get asked, asked to preach the mission sermon at the at the ABA, and and everybody sees me, and and you know blah blah blah, and preach a lot of revivals, and and then all of a sudden, it it gets quiet. You know the the routine sets in, and that adrenaline that you didn't know you were feeding off of, the need for it's still there, and I bottomed out, and and needed some help to get through. And thankfully my wife is incredible and has been through her own things. She's a, she's a published author and um, she was able to help me through. Uh, she told me that she had conversations with Parker and Peyton that look, dad's just having a day. Just don't bother him. Just, and that bothered me so bad that my boys were having to kind of stay away because I was almost out of control. Not that I was doing things crazy and bad and just, I would, I would kind of snap. You know, I would bite back really quick. And and that was one of my darkest times on the mission field, man. It really was. But then you, you look back over it all, man, and, and we still got ways to go. But we see how God's brought people in, and they're just incredible pieces of a puzzle. And before you know it, this, this little core group starts to form up, and mm-hmm. people continue to build on that. And to me, that is the most amazing thing about mission work. And, and really – Honestly, every pastor gets to see the same thing, uh, just in different facets, different age groups, different formats. But somebody said it like this, every pastor does mission work and every missionary does pastor work. And that's certainly true. That's definitely been the way it's been. Right. So cool. Cool. Before I get to my last question, I mean, I want to open up the the table to you two. If you've got questions or comments on. I was going to, you know, he's talking about mission work and what that looks like and i the word i would choose is lonely mm-hmm. i mean we 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 were so lonely when we were church planning because each week you get up there and you're casting vision casting vision casting vision and i think i'm the only one listening <laughs> because they're not the the body isn't going and doing what we just talked about mm-hmm uh, and it goes back to kind of what you'd you'd mentioned when you church plant the the thing that you the kinds of people that you attract to your church plant are people who have been burned and hurt by church or have never tried church mm-hmm. so these people that predominantly that ended up at our church had been burned and hurt by church so one they wanted to come and not serve mm-hmm. they wanted to come and just mend my heart mend my life so we found ourselves doing that we our church plant met on Saturday nights, we had five pastors, five current pastors who were attending our church Mm. and then going on Sunday morning and preaching at their church. 
because mm-hmm. they were hurting because yeah. they were lonely. And so here I was, we were pastoring pastors, but our church wasn't growing and they weren't tithing to our church. They were tithing to their church where they went. <laughs> and so it was just this weird dynamic where I was like, I'd see these pastors walk in. I was like, oh man, this is exciting. This is going to be a great resource. Nope. Yeah. They were just coming because they were, they were hurt. They as pastors were hurt and they were hungry. They were thirsty. So then we saw, okay, well, maybe we are having an impact on their church. Good or bad. I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> you know, hopefully we're encouraging them. But they, for some reason, they've ended up here on Saturday nights. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's minister to them. Yeah. And then you have, and that, you know, the, you talk about that culture. The beauty of a church plant is you get to dictate the culture yeah. in that. And when I say that, you get to look at the people you want to do ministry to that you have, you've identified as your, your audience or for lack of a better word, your audience, and you get to minister them and meet them where they're at mm-hmm. versus an, an established church that now that audience is inside. I don't want that to sound terrible, but God's called us to go. Mm-hmm. And after 10 years, churches, church plants have a, have a, a tendency to turn inward. Yep. And they continue, they discontinue to look at what's going on in our neighborhood and how do we minister to those that are inside our four walls. Yep. And all of a sudden we forget people outside the four walls exist. Yeah. And we abandon our culture to embrace this culture, which is safe. Mm-hmm. We like safety. We like comfort. So we've now become inward focused and we become ineffective a lot of times. We actually forget what got us to where we are. Right. We, we forget that, that outward thrust that propelled us to the beginning. And you can never get away from it. And you have to guard against that tendency. And, and establishing the culture, like you said, that's already established in most churches, has really been a joy. Um, I, you know, our, uh, Parker's brother Peyton is, uh, surrendered to ministry a couple of years back and, and he's starting the seminary a little bit and things like that. And, and I, I worry about when he, this is what he's been used to the last seven years. Right. Mm. We're a speed, but we're, we're not even a church. <laughs> Bigger churches are like cruise ships, man. It takes forever for them to turn, right? To make a change. We're like not even a speedboat anymore. We're a wave runner, bro. Yeah. We're just zippity doo on whatever we want to do. Mm-hmm. And he's going to go to an established church and think. So I constantly try and encourage him. And I have to remind Parker about those things, too. It takes time. You can't mm-hmm. do what we've done at Acadiana everywhere else. We're, we're, we're able to zip around pretty fast. And, and um, man, the, the whole the, the lonely side of it, it's definitely worse on – on, on my wife, mm-hmm. um, it was harder on Cindy. It's still hard on Cindy. She she it's hard for a preacher's wife to to have friends. It, it's difficult for them to cross that bridge and 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 get to because they can't complain to a church member about things their other girlfriends might complain about their husbands about. Because her husband stands in a pulpit on Sunday morning, right? And he's not perfect. He's right. got issues, and, and and there are things like that that are always tough. And then you have to worry about: Can I trust another preacher's wife with this? Well, she's got her own issues too. Right. And it's really, really hard. 
But the the loneliness, I'm three and a half hours away from my sponsoring church. Um, we're a tight family. Uh, the the Reese's, the Wilkes, the A-Bears, we're, we're a tight group. And I've got a unique, you know, support system that others don't have. And, and I found my third space to right. not be as lonely. But I know exactly what you mean when you mention casting vision every Sunday and you're the only one listening. Um <laughs> I know sometimes literally. Sometimes literally. Yeah. When we first started, it was just us. Mm-hmm. Um, those were lonely Sundays. I, I still hate going to Sonic Parker. <laughs> Sonic across the street from where we first met. I'd see brake lights are fixing to turn in. They turn into that Sonic the other way. Oh, I, that, that was a terrible summer. Every that was Sunday. the worst oh, summer ever. That was a bad summer. But uh, And that's how we started. Mm-hmm. But uh, even still... Um, it, it, it is people that are just wanting to be fed, and, and it, it's your hope that they're going to start doing something with what they're fed with. It's kind of like the 600-pound woman, you know, or 600-pound man. They're, they got to be craned out of their bedroom to go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. You know, how did they get in that state? You know, it's because they took in calories and didn't do anything with it. It just kind of sat there and did this. And that's not what you want for our church. Right. We want to do something with the food that we receive. And and that's where dictating the uh, kind of the preaching diet and trying to vary the themes and what we're looking at is right. what I'm trying to do to get to that point. That's kind of where we're at. Nice. So that's, that's good stuff. That's cool. That's cool. I've got a question for you. Okay. And should, I think I know. I think I know the answer. This isn't like, oh, which one do you live more? But <laughs> do you preach differently whenever you're in the pulpit at ABC versus whenever you're in an established church? Where do you have different? Do you vary your style between the two? Yes, I do. Um, I, I I still. Some of you guys have heard me preach, and and. I'm kind of known as the guy that's fixing a stroke out every Sunday, you know, because like face gets red, <laughs> veins pop, and I just rip and roar. Uh, I get to preach here at Sharon in a couple of weeks. I'm super excited about preaching here for the first time. Uh, I was invited to be one of the revival speakers, uh, I think the Sunday speaker, but I was already obligated at a mission conference in West Monroe. Uh, but y'all had Bruce, Bruce Betts, man. Bruce is, he, my boys tell me, did you tell Bruce this? No. Parker and Peyton both say Bruce Betts is their favorite preacher over their own father. That hurts my heart a little bit, but not a finer guy than Bruce Betts. If you want so, to change the will, I, I've got time. Kyle with a K. That's Kyle with a K. There you go. Got it. <laughs> Kyle um, D. Yeah. Webb. Exactly. There's a story behind that, I'll tell you. <laughs> um, so, uh, yes. So when I went to Lafayette, we did not want to. We did not want to. Our vision was not church hoppers and church growth, church hopper growth. Our, our, our focal point is, um, lost and out of church. That, that's, that was our focal group, uh, that we're trying to reach. So my thought process was, you know, I, I can't stand in this pulpit like a, like a maniac <laughs> and, and blowing people away every Sunday with just this vehement, you know, stream of hellfire and brimstone and thundering, things from the from the heavens and not that that's how i feel about my preaching even though i just kind of described it as such um (laughs) don't um, clip that please the world doesn't need to see that um all all 75 of our listeners um so uh but but 
I felt like I had to be almost more conversational, but even that's changed a little bit. I, I, I still get pretty, pretty animated and uh, I teach homiletics at, at, at the seminary mid an online course. And I've tried to hone my preaching skills over the years and there's a time and a place for how you preach. Um, and, and at home, um, every sermon is going to be different, of course, but sometimes you need a little bit more of a thrust. I always want them to know that I'm excited about what I'm preaching and what I'm sharing and incredibly passionate about it. And passion comes across differently sometimes. Um, but I never wanted to, like, like when I preach in a revival or when I, like, like evangelist at next camp, you know, I, I, I'm not going to preach like that on a regular Sunday. I've never been the same at any church I pastored as I am when I preach a revival. When I preach a revival, I, I really let a rip and, I'm still in Parker Day at lunch, even to the detriment of my own voice. My voice still isn't right from next camp. That Monday night when I my throat got dry and I still had to preach through, um, I, I think I actually did a little damage to my, my vocal cords, and it's not been the same ever since. That was that was two months ago. And I'm still not right. Wow. Yeah. I told him it's, he needs to go see an ENT. Yeah. Sacrificing body for the word. That's that's right. So no, <laughs> I, I, I don't I don't preach the same at ABC as I do at other churches today. So well, I'll, I'll say this. Um, and if we got a, if you've got a, a, a memory, uh, your a favorite memory with, with, uh, brother Haber, I'd, I'd say share it, but I've got a couple, um, obviously next camp. We're at next camp. I can't remember which night it was, but, uh, me and Caleb is during invitation or during the response. Me and Caleb are on the, if you're looking at the stage, the left side, um, and uh, the spirit was moving. I th- actually, I think it was it was either it was either the first or second night because there was a massive response the first night, which is not normal at church camp. Not at not at a ABA church camp. It usually takes a couple days of being in worship and and message for the response to happen. Um, but this, this group of girls came down, um, and they're praying like right there beside me and Caleb, uh, and they get up and they go back to their seats and Caleb elbows me and he says, Hey, look, I look down and then he goes over to you and says, Hey, look, and then you go on to, to talk about, uh, prayer and, and, and those teardrops that were on the, the altar. Um, and uh, and sometimes, you know, and I think we've said this maybe in this podcast before or, or in our um, pastoral life group that uh, sometimes our prayers are nothing more than tears. It doesn't have to be this extravagant words and and cute little phrases and this, uh, you know, well-scripted uh, right. prayer uh, for God to hear it. Like sometimes the only thing we can get out is tears. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's okay Absolutely. because God knows our heart. Right. Um, and so, but I think my all time favorite is when my son never met you before. We're at LOL. Dude is a eating machine. Let me just say that before I say anything else. We're, uh, we're at UL and, uh, this Samson, he, he sees, uh, uncle Cooney is what he calls him. Takes off running. Hops up in the pew, or not the pew, the uh, booth mm. right beside him and starts eating off 
Jason's plate <laughs> right there. I didn't mind sharing. Hey, hey. And, and you know, uh, Uncle Jason was like, "Hey, whatever, bud. He's and, good. He took him in like like he was his own. You know. Mm-hmm. So, I wish I could see him. He's, I don't, maybe I catch him on the way back through. But uh, yeah, maybe. Sweet now he's kid, his favorite man. son. Yeah. That's, right. that's, that's Samson with an S. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, anybody else? I've only had two interactions with Jason. So, you got a question? It. No, we're good. Right. I've enjoyed this. Awesome. Well, my last question, um, and I think think this is a moving forward. This will be something for us here at this table here at Sharon, but. Um, how can we as a church, as a staff, um, and as as our listeners, all 75 of them, That's right. <laughs> uh, pray for you and your family right now in the mission field moving forward? Um, you know, I was thinking about this a lot. Me and Cindy had some conversations yesterday. Um, you know, being being honest, a little bit of the discouragement that you're talking about, you know. Right. Um, not that any of our people do anything wrong or, or bad. It's just kind of uh, we need someone to start stepping up. We need yeah. some sort of step up, taking over some spots. So, so in that is certainly one of the prayer requests for uh, leaders to arise, for for those to catch the fire and the vision and and take ownership. And we've got some things in place to help do that. But but for me, there's a scripture in I don't I don't it's maybe Acts Acts thirteen. Is it Acts thirteen where the apostle Paul is being let down in a basket? Is that Acts thirteen? Um, I'm gonna pull. I'm gonna pull it up. Right I, I want to say it's the believers at right. Damascus that I are letting down the wall in a basket. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and I've I've preached this sermon before, and it really applies to me right now where we're at. That I've talked about how you know when, when everybody's kind of holding on that rope. Say there was 15 disciples holding that rope. What if one of them decided to let their loosen their grip, but still look like they're pulling? Right. It's not so bad if one out of 15 does that, but what if 14 out of 15, 14 out of 15 think they're the only one doing that? <laughs> right. And next, you know, nobody's holding the rope. Correct. So I don't want us to let go of the rope for a couple reasons. And Acts nine, it's Acts nine where they're oh, letting yeah, him down through the basket. Right. It's right after he was saved. Acts yep. nine. That's right. Um, and uh, Acts uh, where they're letting him down by the wall. And if, if, they let go of the rope. Think about a fall in a basket. You're just dead weight in a basket. And a fall from too high certainly can be fatal. But even a fall from 20 feet, you know, two stories down, can still be fatal and, and really brutal. Right. And so close to the end, mm-hmm. you know, to, to let go of the rope when you're so close to the end would be just so tragic to me. And the other thing, too, for me, uh, you know, first, not let go of the rope, but in Acts 9, man, nobody knew anything about Paul except for what he was before. They didn't know that what Paul was going to go on to do. They didn't know the great missionary Paul was going to become. They didn't know Paul was going to spend three years in the Arabian desert being taught of the Lord and become the missionary of all missionaries next to Jesus. They, they had no idea. So, so wouldn't it have been tragic if we let go so soon not knowing what's in that basket. And I think about our church. Mm. What could Acadiana Baptist Church do? Or what would happen if we let go of the rope too soon and it all fell apart? And we just need wisdom 
to not organize too soon. We, we want to make sure that there's a strong, mission-minded, uh, sound Missionary Baptist Church in the heart of Acadiana that can start sending missionaries everywhere else, especially throughout the rest of South Louisiana. That's, that's our vision. That's our hope. And wouldn't it be a shame if we quit too soon? Or the devil got in and exploded it, you know, which can happen. Um, there was a time, I know we're getting near the end, so I'll, I'll be brief. There was a time in the mission field, in the church plant, that I felt like the church was this gallon, uh, a gallon bucket of unleaded fuel. And there were sparks everywhere. One spark's going to cause it to light and explode. And I felt like that at one point in the mission work that that the devil is all around here and one thing's going to cause this thing to careen out of control. God was faithful. And, and I know God's going to be faithful through the end too because he wouldn't have started the work if he wasn't going to finish the work. Right. And I know that applies to individuals, but I think it applies to churches as well, especially this church plant that God is building. I've hung my hat on to not be weary in well-doing for in due season you'll reap if you faint not. I've hung my hat on that. And, and so I just wanted y'all to pray for us to not let go of the rope, to keep on, to see this thing through till its fruition and then beyond to see what God can do. Cause I believe I'll spend the rest of my life in South Louisiana. Uh, Parker's going to have to learn to make six hour trips to see his mom and I at Christmas. He's going <laughs> to have to get used to that. You got to bring the grandkids in several years. Several years. Several years. <laughs> Got to bring those, unless you have something to tell me. No, um, we're no, all clear. We're all clear. Good. Um, but, but yeah, that's so, so wisdom for us, endurance for us, um, and, and pray for leadership to catch vision and rise up in the, in, in the church plant there at Acadian Baptist Church. And, uh, and pray for LOL to do another great thing next year. I think y'all, it's on y'all's calendar. We've talked about it, hopefully. Yes. And, we're getting um, there. That's good. We're going to, we're going to start planning here in a few months. So, uh, I've got you down to start helping me plan with that. So we've already kind of kicked that around. So anyway, that's us, man. Hey, man. Well, awesome. it's been, it's been awesome talking with yep. you. Um, Absolutely. getting to hear about the work done in, in Louisiana and the work that God's using you, um, and the way he's working through you for these people. Um, and for the, I guess you would, you would classify it the unchurched, mm-hmm. uh, to be, to be become churched. And, um, I know, I think I speak for everybody at this table and at this church, like if there's anything that y'all need, uh, whether, whether it's, uh, just an ear to vent to or, or anything in physical nature, we're just a call away. Yeah. Um, so I appreciate that. Well, guys, you've heard it from Brother Jason, um, and it's been an honor. It's yep. been fun. Absolutely. Um, and so thanks for joining us on this uh, episode of Sharing Jesus Podcast. We'll see you next week. Love you guys. See ya. Love y'all. Thank you. Thank you.